Hey all, welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler, the podcast where we interview some of America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. Today's guest is Daniela Young. I am super excited about Daniela. She and I go back a little bit, uh, but she is one of the first women to serve on a ground combat team in active war. Uh, Very impressive. You don't hear a lot from our female veterans who have served on active combat teams or in combat teams in active war. Uh, She's now a speaker, a writer. She's a culture whisperer, which I have no idea what that means, audience, but uh, we'll unpack that. Uh, And now she's running her own show. Uh, Daniela, welcome to this show. Thank you, Mike. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have have you. You know, your story is so compelling to me. Uh, I think, you know, when you and I first met and you started unpacking your story to me, uh, you know, beyond the combat veteran piece, which I think is really important for audience to understand and hear and learn from, I think you've got a lot to teach people on this, on this point. But the thing that you said next is what... Uh, just I, I and you probably remember this was so compelling to me. You you were like I I, I grew up in a seriously bad religious cult, uh, which floored me. Uh, and then you go on to become a captain in the U.S. Army, uh, and now you're doing CEO forums, uh, and you've got an upcoming TEDx talk, which is very exciting. Uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself in this. I would I really want to unpack that thing that pulled me in. Uh, and we'll talk about your combat experience, but what pulled me in first was that religious cult experience. Tell your story. Growing up at a cult, what was that all about? What was that like? Yeah, so definitely, it's hard to say what it's like. Um, so I was a third-generation cult member, which means that my mother was born and raised in the cult as well. Um, the cult was called Children of God. It started in the U.S. in the 60s. It spread all over the world. And it started as a normal, you know, counterculture movement during the, the era when the hippies were out there searching for something different. And this man started preaching to hippies on the beaches of California. And, you know, um, these days when I'm coaching leaders, it's, you know, they didn't set out to start a cult. They set out to build a strong organization with strong values that they all believed in. And then they just did all the steps but in sort of complete isolation with a lot of extremism, and it ended up being something, you know, fairly evil. Um, And so, you know, by the time I was growing up, it was, you know, this sort of twisted religious culture that had been built around faith, love, and Jesus, and had turned into, you know, religious prostitution, pedophilia, child marriages, and, you know, really stuff that's so hard for people to imagine. And, you know, we, so so I grew up, I was born in a commune in Asia, and I spent my entire first 15 years of my life, you know, in in communes with hundreds of people in Asia, South America, in Mexico, I speak speak fluent Portuguese and Spanish. Um, And I never even came to the U.S. until I was 14, even though, you know, I was American. Um, And we didn't go to school, we were homeschooled, we were you know, preparing to be soldiers of Jesus in the apocalypse, here to prepare all of you for the end of the world. And so extremely, you know, extremely 
focused religious group, thought they were missionaries, thought they were doing the wonderful things for God, and then just had this really sort of negative power controlling leader that, that created a very negative situation for especially the children and, you know, the young women growing up. My, my mom suffered a lot. She said having children at 14, I'm actually one of 24 children wow. um, from, from multiple parents. And yeah, so, you know, very much in many ways, everything that you would think when you think hope. That's crazy um, to me. I mean, I've got a daughter yeah. that's 15 and I can imagine her having any child uh, at 14, let alone 15. Uh, as, as growing up in this, did you, did you think it was strange or was it normal? Was that your normal? You, did, you probably didn't have any comparison or did you? So, so both, but you hit on it. It's growing up, I didn't have anything else to compare it to. So I, I very specifically remember at six years old having a memory that, oh, this is not normal. Like, everybody doesn't live this way, which, of course, we were told, right? We were the special, we were the elite army of Jesus. Mm. Um, but I do remember thinking, if I'm not here, I'm going to go to hell, and, you know, hell's going to suck because I'm not going to go up to do this. Um, so I, I do remember from six years old at about 11 years old, I was, you know, making my plans to get away, still no real contact. You know, we were uh, very much, we'd go out into society to sort of sing on the streets and raise money or talk to people about Jesus, but we didn't like let outside influences into our world. So for example, one of the first times I ever saw live TV on was on 9-11. And then... So if you can imagine, you know, 14 years old, you're seeing the burning buildings, and then now the leaders are telling you, you know, this is God's punishment on America, which is sinners and evil. And, you know, so again, kind of going back to this culture that is is so extreme and so much indoctrination that you can justify terrorism. Uh, That is crazy. So... This is this is fascinating. I don't want to live uh, on this uh, too long, but I think it's so important for people to understand what you went through and how it prepared you to for who you are today. But the when we talk about you know doing it for Jesus, has that changed your perspective on religion? I mean, you're you know that's not even in my questions. I'm just gonna (laughs) so you can say that wasn't in the questions. You don't have to answer it, but it's. Today, I mean, do you view religion, God, Jesus? How do you view that based on your experience? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah. I'm not personally a very religious person, but I think that my view about religion is pretty balanced. And I do, I do understand that what I grew up with was not true Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, that's healthy. No, and that's fair. That's fair. I kind of put you on the spot on that. But it, it, you went from cult to joining the army. Uh, you became a captain in the army, for that matter. Uh, so some would say, geez, you went from one indoctrination to another form of indoctrination. But I, I would argue uh, certainly a much better mission and purpose. Um how was that transition from going from cult to what, what was the deciding factor to join the military? <laughs> you know, so it's funny because I've actually been asked that question a lot, both by cult survivors and by military people. They say, wait, wait, so you escaped a cult and then you joined another one? Right. Um, everybody, everybody laughs. 
So, you know, certainly there are a lot of similarities. Um, by that, what I mean is just with any strong organization that is built around values and a, a distinct membership and has, you know, a strong sense of community, strong sense of belonging, a specific ideology, we do have similarities. So I think that, you know, years ago, 10 years ago, when I went into the military, I thought I was doing it because I wanted to pay something back to the American dream, right, which gave me the opportunity to come to this country on my own at 15 and build my life. But now, looking back at everything I know about sort of culture and how humans work, I think that I was searching for structure. And, you know, for example, in basic training, you know, I remember everybody was, because I, I did extract commissions straight to officers, so I went to regular basic training, and I remember people just being like, I, I going crazy because they didn't have any alone time. And I was just like, I, I was never alone ever till I was 15. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or people who hated, hated the drill sergeants with a raging passion. And I would just sit there and watch them because I could tell. I was like, oh, they were trained to do this. They were trained to sort of manipulate human beings because what, what they're trying to do, which, again, you know, if you, if you think about it in the cult perspective, it's, I've spent 23 years of my life in organizations that take normal human beings, kind of change their perspective of reality, and then get them to commit so strongly to this organization that they're willing to sacrifice their life for an idea. And mm. that is wow, sort powerful. of the same process. Yep. And like you mentioned, it's a different... In, in many ways, it's a different, you know, better mission. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, the military, if you boil it down, is about taking lives. Yeah. Um, so yeah. a lot of that comes into, is it a better mission? Or is it like we, we put in as leaders, you know, and, and you and I both experience this as military leaders, like it's the values that we emphasize and it's the, the safeties that we put in place. Because our military has done wonderful things and also done terrible things. Yeah, no question. I, I you know, I, just, I, I think, and I'm Navy, you're Army, and I think one of my favorite commercials that the Navy ever produced uh, was that Global Force for Good. Uh, you know, we came out with that whole series on, on you know, where we were doing uh, essentially peacekeeping missions. And that was the advertisement uh, that was going out to the media. And I loved it because I was like, oh, gosh, that is so powerful, right? You could, you can be a Global Force for Good. Uh, and to your point, anything that starts good can certainly turn bad based on leadership. And I, I think that's a powerful point, too. So uh, I think you and I have probably experienced some great leaders in the military and some ones that are still learning. So uh, <laughs> Yes, to both. Yes, to both. You know, and I think one of the dangers for leaders really at any companies, you know, these days, it's all about have a purpose. Right, whether you're a for profit or a non profit, you're a for purpose company and you're inspiring your people, and that's great. But the danger of that is the more you pump up the passion and the inspiration, the easier it is to sort of never question what's behind that. Oh, um, that's good. And again, we've seen that for, you know, I've certainly seen that for good and for bad in my life. Yeah, it's so good. You know, I, I, I this conversation just is so fascinating for me. To, uh, the, you know, we sometimes hear, you know, veterans struggle with the transition, right? They leave this uh, structured uh, environment uh, that has a clear mission, clear purpose in many ways. 
probably takes our youth, does take our youth, and gives them a sense of mission and purpose. And then they get into the corporate structure, and it's like there's no common mission or purpose anywhere, uh, really, right? I mean, there's it's there's a struggle to find that thread of mission and purpose. Let's put it that way. How was your transition from going from structure to structure to suddenly civilian sector? Did you struggle with that, or was it an easy transition for you? <laughs> so... To give you a line from my tail track, transition is hard, always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, will, I think if anyone says their transition is easy, they're just not paying attention. Uh, for me, you know, sort of multiple things that you mentioned, though. So I was, I was where I was first spending, you know, serving on a combat team. I mean, I was very close to bad stuff. I lost good friends. And then transitioning out as a veteran, I mean, Honestly, people don't really take you seriously as a young woman because nobody sure. thinks you saw combat or even though that's all changing now, right? It's it's not really the same um, as, as the men that can say, oh, I was a SF or oh, I was a ranger. Sure. Um, yeah. And so that, that part of the culture is still changing. I think there's less support in, in many ways for some of the women. Um, at the same time, I became a military spouse. Mm, so I went awesome. through, you know, I was a, I was a captain, I was an intelligence officer, I was at a senior level for that, and I was, you know, very much respected by generals, colonels, and then all of a sudden now I'm the, the pregnant wife of a helicopter pilot, and I'm just being asked, you know, if I, if I enjoy leaving the army to become mom, um, which I loved being a mom, but it was, it was a very shocking transition to, whoa, you know, it was just whole other world um, of being a military spouse that's sort of all about supporting the, the active duty member and I you know as you mentioned I need a mission I need a purpose I need to carve out my own space yeah. and then the third yeah going into the corporate world you know I did what I think most people did I just looked at my resume and said what do I do and I said okay I do security let me go get a job in security and it you know there's a lot of great things from the military that helped me in the corporate world, but literally two years ago, it was, what am I doing here? <laughs> Is that right? I, I, get up, I get up and go to work every day just for money, and I felt no sense of purpose. And three different people asked me, like, wait, you have this background, and why do you work here? And it took three people asking me that for me to realize, huh, I said, you know, I can choose my own purpose. I can do something that has meaning to me, not just basically what my resume was, but I do. Yeah, that, oh gosh, that, I, I, I want to unpack that for sure, because that, that's, that is not uncommon. I remember when I transitioned out, I think I went through 14 different jobs, uh, and my, and my mother was really concerned. She thought there was something seriously wrong with me. And I was like, no, I'm figuring out really quick what I don't want to do. Uh, and, and, and that exposure of having a sense of mission, purpose, like, you know, the purpose of the military, to your point, is to keep the country safe, to keep the world safe, for that matter, right? You know, kill the bad guys. Right. That's your purpose. Your mission can change. Uh, but as long as you have purpose, missions can change. They come and go, and you're good with it because purpose is clear. You get into corporate, and suddenly you're like, what's the purpose? We're just making money, selling widgets? What are we doing? I mean <laughs> – 
right? And and yeah. and that's I think where the struggle happens for so many transitioning service members, and even those that have been out for a number of years, where they struggle with that. Um, and, and and you landed on it is you understood that you could really take this next chapter in your life and define your future, determine your purpose. Um, but that wasn't an easy decision, was it? I mean, you said it took three people, but okay, so the three people approached you, but then you had to still execute on that. So tell us, how was the execution part? Was it really a struggle? Was your husband supportive? I mean, unpack that conversation. Yeah, so definitely not an easy decision. And also, you know, before I even get into that one thing that you mentioned, that was sort of, you know, people, when they're, they're struggling to transition and they're looking for this purpose, and one thing is you just, you don't realize when you're transitioning, you don't realize that you, what you don't know, that you don't know what you don't know. So when I was leaving a cult, like, I didn't realize how to speak normal language. When you're leaving the military, you don't realize how to speak corporate language. And then when I was leaving corporate, I didn't realize how to speak this sort of entrepreneurial language. And so it's always so much more of a process than you think it is. You know, I was like, oh, tell my husband, I'm going to take three months and explore the idea of starting a business. Which now, almost two years later, I just laugh at my naive pro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. certainly it was more than that, you know. And then one of, one of the other things that, you know, ex- explains my transition, but it's also, I think, great advice for our listeners is everyone tells you when you get out of the military, you'll miss the camaraderie. And yes, that's true. And when I was leaving the cult, they told me no one was going to love me in the outside world, right? And so it's very similar. It's like you're going to miss this community. But the thing is, it's 13% of Americans are veterans. Like you're an alumni of the largest organization ever. So you can find that same camaraderie on the outside. And you can find a sense of purpose. And so for me, I found an organization called Bunker Labs that was about veterans in entrepreneurship. And the second I walked in that room and connected with people, I felt it. It was like that feeling we all have when we're on a great unit and we're on a great mission. And even though my mission has changed probably 14 times, yeah. <laughs> based on developing ideas and building my company and figuring out what works, you know, I probably talked to 2,000 people, you included, you know, as one of my mentors, um, who's, you know, helping me to develop my ideas and figure out the right path. Um, but as soon as you find that tribe, like, connecting with the right people, like, that's where you start. And I think when people can't make that connection, and then they feel like they made a mistake for leaving the military or that they're never going to find it again. And it's like, when you're transitioning, that's the focus. Who's your tribe? Who's your people? Uh, it's so important, right? I think I, I, And I love that, too, because as parents, yeah. and I know you and your husband are parents as well, that, you know, I pay attention to who my daughters hang out with, right, to who their tribe is. Uh, and I think when we transition, we're seeking tribe and sometimes we get mixed up with the wrong tribe, but we're like, well, maybe this is my fate in life. Maybe I'll do this. It takes us down wrong, you know, wrong pathways. Finding that tribe is so important. And I, I think that's such an important part of your message too is in bunker labs. Oh my gosh. Anybody that ever wants to start a business or be around people that are innovative, fast thinkers, 
want to change the world, want to continue to be on purpose and mission, Bunker Labs is a great place to go, right? I'm, I'm giving them free advertisement right now, but I, it, it's, you, I'm glad you found them because it is it's okay. such a great organization, such a great organization. You know, you've got an upcoming TEDx talk, uh, and you, you kind of mentioned it briefly, um, but what are people going to learn from your talks? You go in and talk to CEOs, now CEO forums, and, and now you got a TEDx talk coming up um, where people will be able to find you. Uh, what, what do you share, and what can people learn from that? Yeah, so, you know, when I consult with companies and CEOs, from, I mean, we do everything culture, but from the, the talk perspective, you know, I'm sharing obviously personal stories, but really sort of the concept of here's how you build culture and community, and then here are the dangers. You know, so very much exactly what I talked about. You know, you, you need to build a strong culture because study shows it increases your profit 756%, but you also need to avoid the cult when you're building the culture, and here's how you do that. Um, on my TEDx talk, it is the, the TEDx conference is on transition. The topic is, again, a lot of what we talked about today, so transition, just bridging the gap. And I'm sharing a more personal story, you know, for my, my childhood background, my, my journey through the military. And the idea is that when you are left in transition, which everyone is at some point when you're transitioning, you need a compass. And I'm going to share, you know, the three, the three important points that I've found uh, on my journey that, you know, again, the first is connecting with people. I'll just give you that. Yep. Um, and... You know, but there's a there's a three part compass that you can literally sit down and use to map out your journey, and it's for real. Like my family and I are relocating to Texas in about two years, and I am going to make a transition map <laughs> with these columns and these, you know, like so I can actually visually see like where am I lacking? You know, what what areas do I need to fill out or flush out? Um, and so that's that's what I will be sharing in my. 12 minutes of, of <laughs> I'm going to love that. I mean, if people want to see you compress your life story in 12 minutes, they've got to check out your TEDx <laughs> talk. That, it's going to be amazing. So how, how do people find you? How do, if, they want to, if they want to roll with you, learn from you, uh, understand who you are, how do they find you? Where do they find you? you got a website. you got a LinkedIn profile. Where, where do you want people to connect with you? Yeah. So I have a website that's www.culturalforte.com, and I also have a LinkedIn profile, so Daniela Young. I have wild, crazy red hair. Um, I'm on Twitter, Daniela M. Young, and I'm on Instagram with the same handle, so I'm a little bit of everywhere, and I'm also on Facebook, Daniela Young. And it's, uh, I'll just say for the listeners, it's Daniela, like Daniela, but with an A. Yeah, got it. Yeah, thank you for doing that. That's, well, I love, I, I love, to, I love to connect with people. So if anyone listens to this, heard something they like, please reach out. I'm all about, you know, what, what you mentioned, Mike, innovative thinking. So, because you have to be entrepreneurship or culture, but if you just like to think about things differently, I'm one of your people. Ah, I love that. Well, and you're making a difference too. And I love that you're getting your story out there. I'm glad that we can be a part of it. I'm I'm really excited that our listeners 
will be able to learn from you on a, a number of fronts, like the importance of mission and purpose and having that compass and being disciplined uh, with the next step or the next chapter in your life like you are being uh, so important. And I just want to say that, uh, you know, th thank you for serving, you know, in combat. Uh, I didn't ever have to. Us Navy guys had it somewhat easy. I, I had it somewhat easy. Let me put it that way. So for, you know, being a frontliner, and that is so important. And I think you set the right example and the right tone for other, not only women that want to follow in your footsteps, but for men as well to say, you know what, it's all about one team, one fight, and making sure that we're being, you know, mission and, and purpose driven. So Daniela, thank you for being a guest on this show. Um, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you, Mike.